Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible study, verse by verse. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Connecting the Dots. Canatuno Los Puntos. Canatuno Los Puntos. So, my Espanol, my Spanish listeners. Welcome to Bible study. I'm going to do a verse by verse Bible study on the book of Romans, Romans 5. Now, if you didn't hear my last uh, episode, I done a teaching verse by verse on the book of Romans 4, talking about faith, believing by faith. Faith alone is the way of salvation, using the example of Abraham. Abraham is our example of faith. So anyone that has an issue with believing there's only way, one way to be saved is believing and trusting and having faith. Go to these scriptures. That's all you need to do. Go to these scriptures. It's good to read the book of Galatians as well. But go to these scriptures, Romans 4, 5, and 6. Especially starting off with Romans 4 in that order. Because it breaks down so much of an, the, the example as a believer that we're supposed to follow. Or an unbeliever. What must an unbeliever do? To be saved. They must believe. Not do nothing. Not follow a tradition. Not under the law. Anything like that. It's by your belief. Nothing explains it better than Romans 4. Okay. Now. You're only going to get this out of the teachings of the Apostle Paul. You're not going to get these these explanations. And a breakdown. And like I'm finna do in Romans 5 and also in Romans 6, and I'll probably go through Romans 7 as well. We're going to see, you know. I don't want to stay too far away from the continued teachings on Genesis, which is very important. But I'm reading these in this order so you can get an understanding about our position and our possessions and our personage in Christ Jesus. I'm reading these uh, these three chapters so we can know what happened after the cross and before. The reason I'm saying before, because this is going to get into what went on with Adam. Now, it really was not explained. No other book explains this. These these things are only explained in the teachings of Paul. You probably did not know that. You probably heard a lot of these teachings before, but you didn't put two and two together. And didn't even recognize that you were only going to get these teachers nowhere in the Bible, but from the apostle of the Gentiles today, the body of Christ, the apostle Paul. Okay. And if you read this, you will know that, that no other book in the Bible teaches this, not in the four gospels. It's not in Matthew. It's not in Mark. It's not in Luke. And it's not in John. It's not in the book of Acts. It's not in Ephesians or none of that. It's in this book, which is one of Paul's one of Paul's early teachers. This is before he went to prison. His prison letters is Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, First and Second Timothy, etc. Stuff like that. First and Second Thessalonians, the Book of Galatians, Romans, and all those Corinthians. They're his earlier teachings before he went to prison. When Ephesians. And uh, Philippians, Colossians, and, uh, you know, Philemon, First and Second Timothy, Paul was more advanced. He got more revelation from Jesus then. The, uh, there was no signs and wonders happening in those epistles. It's more advanced. 
you if you put those together, you will see that. You will see a lot of the miracles and signs and wonders in the book of Acts and the Corinthians because those was the early example. The uh, it was a, it was a transitional period. It was moving. That's why the book of Acts. What I, I advise you to please read, believer. Please read the book of Acts because the, uh, the book of Acts is an action book. Used to call it the book of the Holy Spirit, which is good too. It's an action book, but it's not a doctrinal book. It's not a doctrinal book. It's more of a history. It's more showing you of a, the transition from the law to grace, from Peter and the twelve to the one apostle and his other apostles, the Apostle Paul. It's a transition from the law to grace. It's a transition from the teachers, mostly of Peter, to the Apostle Paul. You don't hear nothing from Peter about, about one time going into Acts 15, but after that, it's all Paul. The early teachers of Acts, that's why you have the earlier teachings of the book of Acts, is Peter. And then after 15, is besides Acts 10, when Paul, I mean, when Peter was the first one that uh, God was giving him a taste on the, uh, the Roman centurion, uh, Cornelius, when the sheets came down, when Peter went into entrance, you can find that in the book of Acts 10. Anything after that, the meeting took place when they was get. why would they have a meeting? Let me put this out there. Why would they have a meeting if the gospels were the same? The leaders sent Barnabas them out there to find out what was going on with these people getting saying these Gentiles. Evidently, they wasn't teaching the same thing. They had to come to one page. That's what the book of Galatians also dealt with in 2011 when Paul had to rebuke Peter. You have to connect the dots, see? You have to be willing to connect the dots and get out of your denominational tradition. If you can't get out of that, you won't see this. You'll still be left to look like a mixed gumbo. You have to learn how to connect the dots. The book of Acts is a transitional book, okay? Paul is dealing in Romans. Paul is dealing with Jews and Gentiles in the book of Romans. He talks about the fall of the Gentiles, rebuke them. Then he talks, Acts 2, Romans 2, you go in there, he's rebuking the Jews. You'd have to rebuke the Gentiles first because they was disobedient in the days of Noah when they didn't listen to them then. But I'm not going to get into all that. I want to get through this because I want to keep it at least about 25 more minutes like I've like I done another one. But the book of Romans is your map to understand your position in Christ Jesus, to understand what happened on the cross and before it. Now, what I'm finna read now, the chapter 5 of the book of Romans is going to be dealing with justification. It's going to be dealing with Adam and the sin nature and different things like that. Very powerful. I'm going to shoot through this real fast. It's like a lightning teaching. So it's going to be uh, pretty fast. But I'm going to try to break it down and explain it as best way I can. I read Romans over so many times. So I just about... You know, can understand what it's saying. I don't know everything, but I can just about know the basics of Romans. Because I read Romans several times. The book of Romans itself. Over and over. Several times. And I'm not saying that to be bragging. I'm saying that because it feeds me every time. It reminds me about my justification. It reminds me about my sanctification. It reminds me what happened on the cross. Because if you don't read Romans... Five, six, and whatever like that. You won't know the full detail of what happened on the cross. What took place 
for the Christian on the cross. How was Jesus able to do that? You will not never understand that because you will not find it nowhere else in the scriptures. Okay. All right. That takes another teaching in itself. I like to try to keep it plain for my listeners. Okay. So I'm going to talk, go to Romans five. I'm justified. I left out the faith part in Romans four. I left, I left, we left for my last listeners that we was explaining who's in that, who, who is our best example when it comes to believing by faith for righteousness. Abraham, Paul makes that clear. The book of Galatians breaks it down as well. But Paul makes this clear, makes this clear. My tongue keep getting tired. Uh, Abraham is not, is our example. Okay. Paul is our apostle, not Peter and the twelve. Now we follow principles out of that. Don't don't I'm not pitting them against each other. I'm just letting you know there's two different dispensations. These are two different gospels, one for the earth and one for the heavens. One is for the earth, which is the kingdom program. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's Jesus earthly ministry to Israel. One is for going to heaven. That's for the church today, the body of Christ under Jesus' heavenly ministry. Jesus has two programs. He has an earthly ministry and he has a heavenly ministry. All of them both, both of them will come to fruition in the last day. The new Jerusalem is going to come down from where? From heaven. So when Paul talks about the kingdom of heaven, he talks about the kingdom of heaven coming down on earth. For future Israel to set up the kingdom, the thousand year reign of millennium kingdom. The body of Christ is the catch away of the church. We are going to be at the heavenly places in different positions, I believe. Will we be able to go back and forth? I don't know. I don't want to say we will, run, but we might not even want to. It's going to be so awesome in heaven. I don't know. But I know one is for heaven and one is for the earth. Okay. Let's get let's, this. So what I'm talking about now is for the body of Christ. It's not for the kingdom program. It's not for Israel unless they're, they're saved. Everybody can get saved this way. The law only is mostly for Israel. You have to, you have to uh, be proselyted. To become in their faith the kingdom of heaven. You have to be under the law. You have to follow the Ten Commandments and the other 613 laws that was required for Israel to follow. We are not under that program. What came in that program? Speaking in tongues, the kingdom program. Paying tithes, mostly from the Levites, which went all the way up to 32%. Tithes at 33%. Tithes was never money. Paying tithes, water baptisms and stuff like that. All that stuff is the law. It's under the law. Okay? It's under the law. Okay? Now, I want to give you a little story before I get into this. You know, I heard of Creflo Dollar. I heard of Creflo Dollar change his his thought pattern on paying tithes. And find, he finally came to his senses to understand that tithes is of the law. Creflo Dollar. And there's a lot of them saying that now. Now, I'm not here to judge Creflo. I always give a person a chance. There's a lot of people knocking him and whatever like that, saying he's a scam. I don't know. But I give a person a chance because God can move and change anybody. Who and me and you to be talking about this guy is fake and phony? I don't know if he is or not, but just give him a chance. His colors were true colors which came out. You have to give him a chance to let God work with him. 
Okay, let God work with him. People might not disagree. I'm not here for you to disagree with me all the time or me disagreeing with you. But people must give people a chance. Benny Hinn, back, Benny Hinn went back and forth so many times. It's hard to take his word because it's hard to get out of that spirit of prosperity. It's not easy. It's hard to get out of that spirit of prosperity. But I'm not here to teach on that. Okay, you know, so I give kudos to Creflo, at least he's starting somewhere. You know, it's never too late when you're still alive. Now, these other things he's teaching, you need to let God deal with that because that that's you. it's never a full change of mind and repentance till you just repent and change everything. I'm not saying he needs to give money back to the people. That's between him and God. I'm not saying that. But God deals with God. God ain't thinking about that. Just want this guy to stop teaching all this fake stuff. So let's give him a chance and it's going to be between him and God. Okay. Now, let's get into uh, justification in Romans 5. Starting at one, therefore being justified by faith. Now, what we justify by? Faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not by works. Not by the law. Not by what we do. Romans 5 opens up with, therefore, that means going forward or from now on. This is the way we go. We are, we are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through us, but through Jesus Christ, we have peace through God. Keep a very good ear on the King James way of saying things, because this is the correct way. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through us, but through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God, okay? All right. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith. Here's faith again. And to his grace. We have access by faith and to his grace. When we stand. We stand because what? We have faith. And what faith brings access into his grace. This grace, okay? When we stand. We stand in the access because of our faith. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulations works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which given, which, which is given to us. Now check this out again. Not only also, but we glory in tribulations, hard times, by this faith, by having this access, we can go through tribulations, knowing that tribulations works patience. Only way we can have that type of patience because we are in Christ now. We have access to that. And patience brings what? Experience. The only way we can bring that type of experience is having that access through Christ by faith. And experience brings what? Hope. And hopes make you not ashamed because the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We have nothing to be ashamed for. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is shared abroad in our hearts. Remember, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit when you believe and what Jesus has done on the cross is death, burial, resurrection. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit forever. He don't come on and off like he did in time past. He came on Samson and David and a lot of the prophets. He came on them. And he's within us, but he worked it in a different way without all the signs and miracles. But he came upon them in time past through the prophets and all of them. He, he, he's, he's dwelling in us. One sat upon and one is dwelling in. 
the Holy Spirit's ministry today is in the body of Christ the church. Okay. Verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for who? The ungodly. Who's the ungodly? Everybody on this world. The whole world. Christ died for the ungodly. Okay. The ungodly. All right. For scarcely... Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet pure venture for a good man's son would even dare to die. Now, the King James used that term pure venture. It just means, though perhaps, in other words, you know, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps. And that means even a righteous person might die for somebody else. You have a few people that die for people out there. But some would even dare to even die. Perhaps they would. That's what that pure venture kind of means, though perhaps. Okay, let's go to eight. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners. Listen to this. Christ died for us. Now, what did that commended mean? God demonstrated his love toward us. So you could just exchange that in the King James to commend it. Not saying it's an error, it's not. But for our, our vernacular of today, it'll read like this. But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? While we was in our mess. While we was in our sin, Christ died for the world. We as in everybody in the world, past, present, and future. That's how powerful the cross was. You wouldn't know nothing about this and no other scriptures. It's only explained through the books of the Apostle Paul, specifically the book of Romans. Let's keep going. First time. Much more than being now justified by his blood. Now, there's only one way you can be justified. Remember, everyone is forgiven. Everyone has been forgiven, but everyone has not been justified. There's only one way to be justified by his blood that's being saved. And how do you be saved? By believing in what he done on the cross. The death, burial, resurrection, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. So you can get an under, I'm saying this for the believers so they can get a better understanding when you, you get out there and your witness. For more than being now justified, the church, by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. What wrath? The tribulation. That's another hint that's letting us know that the church will not have to go through the wrath. We will not have to go through the tribulation. This is not talking about daily wrath. This is talking about the wrath of God, the day of the Lord. Israel's last chastisement. This is talking about that. The church will not have to go through the wrath. Contrary to what anybody say, we're not going through that tribulation. I don't care how much you want to or you think you can, which you can. You're not going through it. We're going to be caught away, tucking away before that happens. Okay. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Reconciliation by believing. That brings reconciliation. Okay. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life, okay? And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Atonement we receive and at one man. We are one with Christ. Christ is the head. We are the body. That's where that term, the body, comes from. We are the parts of Christ. Christ is our head. It's just like a normal body. But Christ is our head. Like the body has a head, we have the arms and legs and, you know, torso and stuff like that. We are the body of Christ. We are one with Christ. Powerful stuff. Verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, listen to this. This is going to break down what happened. You know, a little bit break down what happened in the beginning. I'm doing a study of Genesis as well. All this should go together. Wherefore, by one man, 
sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all for that all have sinned. Now, who's that one man? That one man is Adam. When Adam sinned, and Eve, they ate that fruit. They broke the trespasses of God. They disobeyed. It affected the whole world. Sin affected the whole world. It passed upon all men. Not some men. It passed upon all men. For all have sinned after Adam. So when Adam ate that fruit, it cursed the whole mankind. Animal kind, everything. It cursed everything, okay, from Adam. So let's go to 13. For until the law, sin was in the world. Listen to it carefully. Very important. Verse 13, Romans 5. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Let me read that again. I'm going to break it down. For until the law, what? Came. Let me just put it that way. Before the law came, sin was in the world. Okay? But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Okay, Joe, what is that verse saying? The verse is saying, sin was not charged to no one after Adam's sin because there was no law to charge him for. So this is not the first time that God is not charging nobody with sin in this dispensation. I remember I talked about that before. See, the Bible speaks for itself plainly. Says right here, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not puted. Sin is not counted when there was no law. If there's no law, just say where well, people act like there's no law today. They break the laws like there's no law, but there are laws. But if it was never a law, people would do all kind of stuff and they would never be charged because there's no law. Back then, God was charging them for their unrighteousness and their wickedness, not their sin so much. Yes, it was still sin in the eyes of God, but there was no law to tell them that they sinned this way and this was a sin doing that. Paul talked about that and I think, what, Romans 8? He talked about that. He understood that he was committing sin in a certain way when he understood the law. The law told him that he was committing sin. See, they didn't have no law then. So they was they knew wickedness. They knew right from wrong because that was in their heart. They knew good from evil, but there was no sin to charge them with. This is what they were saying right there in verse 13. I hope you understand that. 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why does it say it's that? Because Moses brought the law. When Moses brought in the law, then sin was charged against them. Who was them? Israel. Not the Gentiles, Israel. Israel is supposed to be in the forerunners to bring this good news to the Gentiles, but they never got that far. That's another teaching, though. Nevertheless, 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses. That's why I said it reigned from Adam to Moses. Moses brought in the law. Then the law came. Then they was counted for their sins, was counted against them because there was a law then after Moses. Even over them that had not sinned after the sin to you. hear that? Even over them that had not sinned. He said, Joe, what, what do you mean they had not sinned? They was wicked, but they it wasn't called God could not charge them with sin because there was no law they was breaking, but they were still doing wicked and evilness. But it was no certain sin they was brought, was charged with until the law of Moses came. You follow what I'm saying? This is very important. You can only get this out of the teachings of Apostle Paul, nowhere else. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam and Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. 
Now you said somebody said, yes, they said, but what the you what the King James make it seem like that nobody was never doing wrong. Yes, it was always evil after Adam, but sin was not charged or imputed against them, just like it's not today. You see what I'm saying? But they're not going to heaven today. They have to believe they have to believe that and believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, believer. Sin was not, God was not charging them with sin after Adam's death. He was charging them with their wickedness and unrighteousness, yes. That's why he destroyed the earth the first time under Noah. But the law came to Moses, so they knew what they was doing there because the law told them that they were sin. That's why the law brought death. The law showed them that because they had requirements to follow, so they understood their wrong more openly. The Galatians talk about the uh, law was like a schoolmaster that teach them what sin was until the true grace righteousness came, which is what we are under right now. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. All right. You have to listen to it again. All right. After the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, which is Jesus. All right. Keep going. But not as an offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded in two men. Let me make this plain. Through one man's disobedience. That, you notice he's, he's focusing on Adam. He didn't even mention Eve. Because Adam, God told Adam, even though Eve wasn't within the man, God told Adam. So it was Adam's responsibility. So this is not a misprint or nothing. It, people probably say, how come Eve was not mentioned? Eve is an Adam. Eve got cursed too, but Adam was the head. Adam was the one God told to. He was responsible for Eve. So it was Adam's weight to carry. So it was Adam's weight that brung all this on everybody else, even though Eve ate the fruit first. Okay, she was deceived first, you know. But now that's the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, which was Adam, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded to many. So by one man's transgression, it brought sin to the whole world. And by this other man, victory in his life, it brings life to many, which is Jesus Christ. That's what they're saying. 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was the judgment by one to condemnation. But the free gifts of many offenses are true justification. In other words, what Adam done, it brought, it brought condemnation. But what Jesus has done with his life, it brings justification. If you believe it by faith and accept it. Okay, I'm putting emphasis on that, all right? 17, for if by one man, you know they're talking about Adam, Offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now, what does he say right there? Go back. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Remember we talked about that in four, about what made Abraham righteousness. How do we become righteousness? How do we become righteousness? Because what have Christ done? The one, the first man, which the Bible is also called the first Adam, sinned. It brought condemnation 
to the whole universe every, everywhere. But through the life of Jesus Christ, his resurrection, this is how powerful the resurrection was. Uh, a bronze light brings life to everybody else. And you also have the you a chance to have the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. We are under the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ. Not our own righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus is the righteousness of Christ. Okay. Verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of, see, keep going over. So Paul let you just get the picture. He wants you to see this. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men, which went over that, which was Adam. Seth explaining to to condemnation. Adam brought condemnation to the whole world because of his disobedience. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. You see the difference? In other words, making it plain, it's not hard. One man brought condemnation with his disobedience. Another man brought justification of righteousness through his obedience. Adam brought condemnation through his disobedience. From the beginning, Jesus brought righteousness as life through his obedience. Okay? You see the difference? That's what Paul is saying. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, here we go again, many were made sinners. By one man, Adam. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Shall many be made righteous if you accept this gift. See, he's talking about Adam and Jesus. One brought condemnation, but one can make one brings obedience and shall make many shall make many righteous. Shall if you obey, if you obey, the door is open now because your sins have been dealt with. Now you just have to believe. Okay, twenty. I'm almost done. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now the law entered so they could see their sins. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, show them what they have done. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Grace took care of took care of all that. Grace overwhelms all that. There's nothing that can. It's not. It's not enough sin that anybody can do that can overwhelm. You know. God's grace. God's grace is unbelievable, unmerited. Okay. Verse 21. That as sin, sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness into eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Plain, simple. That's it. Man, I did pretty well. Right? 29.53. That's the teaching on Romans 5. Being justified. Isn't this pretty much simple? When you just look at it, it breaks down what Adam done. Explain it very, very simple. You don't have to add to it. You don't have to take it away. It's very simple what happened with the first Adam. Jesus brought righteousness with his in life. Adam brought condemnation and death. One condemned the world, the whole world, by his disobedience. The other one brought life, or you can have eternal life, through his obedience. That's what Paul is breaking down. Nobody breaks it down like that but the Apostle Paul. Justification by faith. It's all about faith. It's all about your belief. It's all about who you believe in. Don't have faith in faith. Like a lot of prosperity teachers, they preach on faith about faith. Don't have faith in faith. Have faith in Christ of what he done on the cross. Let me say that again. Stop having faith in faith. It's not about faith in faith. That don't mean nothing. You must have faith in who? Jesus Christ. What, and who's the example we are to follow? 
when it comes to faith, even though he never seen Jesus Christ. He didn't know too much about that. The faith of Abraham. We got all this out of just two chapters, four and five. That's just two. You got all of this out of just badgering when you read the whole book of Romans, slowly but surely. There's so much in there. The next coming up, Romans 6. Romans 6. Now, with all this freedom we have now, by our justification, by believing by faith, easy, right? But Romans 6 is going to break down. Don't get too comfortable. Don't think this is just a free ticket to sin, which a lot of churches and a lot of sects have an issue with. They just can't comprehend this. They think that's giving you a license to sin. Let's see what Romans 6 has to say about that through our Apostle Paul. God bless you all. You know what you have to do about salvation. Believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. This was a study on Romans 5, justified by faith alone. God bless you all. Love you all. Bye-bye. Peace out.